Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. I want to continue this morning on the theme that I started uh, last Sunday morning, and in 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, it says, But without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, remind yourself that when the New Testament talks of mystery, it's not just talking about something that is mysterious the way we use the word. The word in the New Testament, mystery, referred to truths about the church age that were hidden from previous generations, hidden from the Old Testament saints, and only revealed in the New Testament. So it's, a, it's, it's hidden knowledge that has been revealed. But it says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Of course, this is talking about Jesus. He came in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. Now think about that. God was declared righteous in the spirit. Well, that's a great mystery. I don't have time to get into all of that this morning, but why would God need to be justified? Well, there's a reason for it. We'll, we'll touch on it as we go forward, forward. Seen by angels. You know, Jesus had the ministry of angels in his life. They appeared to him. Uh, they helped him. And uh, they watched everything that happened in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, not only good angels, but evil angels witnessed the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, that would be us, believed on in the world, how many of you believed on him, and received up in glory. So we all have a part in this great mystery of Godness. We're all recipients We're all those who have benefited from this mystery of godliness. The thing that I wanted to to point out, and I pointed out last week, the one that I wanted to focus on was the fact that God was manifested in the flesh. That is such a profound and inexplicable, as I said last week, you can't fully understand it. You can't fully explain how that God, how God could be manifested in, in the flesh. He wasn't just shown in the flesh. We know that when Jesus was was conceived in the in the womb of the Virgin Mary, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph wasn't Jesus' father. God was his father. And so in in a way that we can't fully understand, we just have to acknowledge it and believe it, that God became united with humanity. Deity and humanity came together in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say this sometimes that, uh, and it's completely true, that in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus was still maintained his deity. He was 100% God. But he also was 100% humanity, a man. 
Now, how in the world can that be? You can't explain it, and I can't either. But God, in his, in his wisdom, and in his plan for us, there was a reason for this union. There was a reason for Jesus coming and being born as a, as a little baby, conceived and, and growing from, a, from a, 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 an embryo to a fetus to uh, uh, being born and then being an infant and being a toddler and being a, a little child and growing up and being a teenager, then becoming a man. He went through the entire cycle of life as a human being, and yet he was God. That union between humanity and deity is one of the most profound truths and and sacred things in all of the realm of God. Now, people have asked sometimes, you know, about life in outer space. You know, are there there civilizations somewhere else? And and, uh, secular people look look at Christians and say, well, you know, uh, you're just simplistic because the universe is so big and there are so many uh, galaxies and so many solar systems and so many planets. Who are you to think that, that we're it? Well, you know, the, 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 the solar system and the universe is enormous. Let me give you some, some uh, facts about this. I told this to my wife a couple of weeks ago. The Hubble telescope was launched a few years ago out into space and it was put up in a, in, in a portion of the sky that looked dark, like there wasn't anything around it. They wanted this telescope to be orbiting out beyond the lights of Earth so they would have a better way to, to look. So it was put up in, in orbit in a spot in, in the sky or in the night sky that didn't appear to have any stars or any light in it. It focused on it, the the Hubble telescope is focused on a spot in the sky the size of a grain of sand to you and me. In other words, if you stood on the ground and went, you know, went to the beach and put one little grain of sand from the, from the beach and put it on the tip of your finger and held it up to the sky where that, where that uh, telescope is, that little grain of, of sand against the sky, that's the area of the universe and the sky that the, that the Hubble telescope is looking into. Not everywhere else, but in, the, in an area the size of a grain of sand. What the Hubble telescope discovered was there are 10,000 galaxies in that area behind that little grain of sand that you're looking at up in the sky. 10,000 galaxies. It gets, it gets worse for your brain. You can't but forget understanding this, but just to illustrate. Uh, this is terrible notes I wrote to myself. The visible universe, because there's, there's parts of the universe we can't see. They discovered things they'd never seen before because the light from those galaxies hadn't gotten here yet. It's been traveling for billions and billions of years at the speed of light and the light's not even here yet. Okay, the visible universe, that's, we were just talking about that one speck, 10,000 galaxies beyond that little speck. But the visible universe around us has around 100 billion galaxies. 10,000 galaxies, 100 billion galaxies. Each containing around 100 billion stars. 
like our sun. Each 100 billion galaxies, each one have, has around 100 billion stars. So the visible, say it a different way, the visible universe contains around 10,000 million, million, million stars. So there are more, listen to this, there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. They've seen out 13 billion light years. And that's as far as they can see. And uh, so the, the universe, looking all around, the, the breadth of it would be about 20 billion light years across. The visible, that's what we can see. Now, if you can consider the earth, now you think about the galaxy, we're talking about galaxies and stars. But let's bring it down to solar systems and planets. Like I said, you're not ready for this. If you took, if you considered the earth to be the size of a grain of sand, a grain, the earth, okay, you got that? The earth is the size of a grain of sand. Our own single solar system, what are there, nine planets? They, it changes from time to time, whatever the latest is. What is it now, Benji? Eight, okay. Is Neptune still the furthest one out? Yeah. From the earth, and it, or, or, or from, from the sun, Neptune is so far out. Our solar system, if the earth is a grain of sand, our own solar system would be the size of a huge European cathedral. The scientist that I saw this video, he was standing in front of this big, and I didn't recognize the cathedral. It was someplace in, London, in England. And, uh, but it's this massive cathedral. He said our solar system would be, just our solar system would be as big as this, as this cathedral and the earth would be the size of a grain of sand. That's how far Neptune is out. Well, uh, if our solar system was the size of a grain of sand, the Milky Way galaxy would be 10,000, a thousand times larger than that cathedral. That's just our little neighborhood. The Milky Way galaxy, if it was a grain of sand, the universe would be as big as that cathedral. Our, our, our one little galaxy would be in that cathedral like a, a grain of sand. So that's how, that's how big God's creation is. But the, the thing that's remarkable to me is that God sent his son to this remote outpost. <laughs> to this little invisible little speck in the vastness of the universe and he didn't just visit us. He didn't just come and do a job and reveal God to us and then go back and take his previous position. He took on human. He's a homo sapien. He, took, he became one of us and laid down his life 
But when he arose, he, he still in his humanity is at the right hand of the God who created all of this. Now, God created all things. So God has to exist, in my mind at least, he has to exist outside of the, of the universe because he created the universe. He had to be here before the universe, so he had to be somewhere else. So God, wherever he lives, wherever heaven is, he created all of this and in one little speck that you can't even see, if you were just looking at the big picture, he sent his son here to not just visit us, but to merge with us, to become one with us, to take our nature to take on humanity and he, he, he hasn't laid it aside and he never will. In the ages to come, we don't know how many ages there are, but in all of the ages to come, the eons and eons of, of eternity forward, he will always be a human being. Now, I don't see a lot of room for other civilizations in the plan. Because, and I used to say this when I was younger, and it dates me now, a lot of people don't understand. Uh, Jesus was, you know, he's at the right hand of the Father. He's not a Klingon. If you're younger, you understand, what was that? Star Trek. You know, there were all these different civilizations, and one, you know, they had Klingons. You know, Jesus is not a Klingon. Or some of you can give me some other names from Star Wars, you know, some of the different... uh, supposed civilizations and beings, but he's not one of them. He's one of us. Glory to God. Your wealth, your, your value and wealth to God, your, your importance to God cannot be overemphasized. Every person on this planet that has ever lived is precious beyond estimation. To God, for God to do that. But he became one with us. Took on our humanity. Took on our weaknesses. Because in in his earthly life, the 33 and a half years he was here, he laid aside all of his divine prerogatives. He didn't lay aside his divinity, but but he laid aside his privileges and power as God and took all of the limitations of natural man. He was hungry, he was thirsty, he was tired. All of those things happened to him. He was misunderstood, he was persecuted, he was mistreated, he was lied about, he was murdered. Why would God, why would God do that? Why would he... We have no way to really fully understand how much God loves each one of us. All we can do is just take in what we know. As hard and impossible as that is to explain, the other side of the coin is he became one with us. That makes us one with him. When a person is born again in spirit. Now Jesus partook of our human nature. When, you, when a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Says, says to God, I believe 
Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he came here. I believe he lived and died, poured out his life for me, and I receive him as my Savior. When a person does that, they are, when they're saved, when they're born again, something remarkable happens that doesn't happen and hasn't happened to the person next to them if they're not saved. We have experienced something in salvation that, that the unsaved don't know anything about and they don't participate in. And that is when you got saved, when you were born again, you were recreated on the inside in union spiritually with Christ. You became one with, he became one with us in his, in his uh, uh, humanity. We become one with him in his divine life. Now, the only difference is Jesus, when he became a man, he retained 100% of his deity. He is 100% God and he's 100% man. We, on the other hand, remain, our, remain 100% human, but we don't become God. Just clarification. We're not God, but we do partake through union with Christ. We do partake of the nature of God. And I don't mean that in the sense that uh, we're just sort of like him. We actually take on his, his nature. Let's look at a few... Uh, Things that we have in union with Christ. We've already looked at, last week we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to go back over there and just look at it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We started last week in verse 26. Remember we talking about, uh, you see your calling, brother, not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, or so forth. Remember that? We got down to verse number uh, 30. It says, but... And, and all of that, God chose us in our weakness, in our uh, insignificance. He chose us. Verse number tw- uh, 29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. <laughs> when you think about God, how can you glory in his presence? Then verse 30 says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. That means you are in union with Christ Jesus. If you're saved, if you're born again, you are in union with Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He became all of these things for us. That is, we partake of his wisdom. We partake of his righteousness. We partake of his sanctification. We partake of, of redemption. We, it's, it's something that has happened on the inside of us. Not only that, let's look at a couple of other scriptures really quick. Go to John 3.16. Anybody know John 3.16? Anybody not know John 3.16? Let's look at it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, that, there's just a, there's a, 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 you could just stop and camp out there. God so loved this world, this world, not, not some other world, this world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We partake 
of God's life in the gospel. It's not just religion. When you got saved, you didn't just get religion. You didn't just uh, get right with God. We took on the very life of God. Go over to Second Peter. Second Peter. Let's look at the first chapter. Verse number three says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Partakers of the divine nature. Your nature changed. When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, your spiritual nature changed. That's why you're not free and carefree to just do anything you want to do. Now, you're, you're, still, you're still 100% human and you still have flesh that has uh, appetites and desires and sometimes wants to do wrong. And sometimes those temptations to do wrong are very powerful, but the reason you can't just, just do whatever you want is something on the inside is fighting that. Why? Because you have his nature. And that nature, the nature of God has been birthed in us. Glory to God. Partakers of the divine nature. It's almost impossible to, to even believe, but it's true. We won't look at all the scriptures. We have received his inheritance. The Bible says that, that Jesus became the heir of all things. And then in, in, in another place in Rome, that's in Romans uh, uh, chapter 4. In chapter 8, it says that we have become joint heirs with Christ. So when you were joined to Christ, you were joined to everything that belongs to him. All of his inheritance... Hallelujah. His ability. I can do all things, Paul wrote to the Philippians. I can do all things through Christ or in union with Christ who strengthens me. And in John 1, 16, we won't turn there, but it says, of his fullness we have all received. That's, that's, that's what happened. We, we became one with the fullness of, of God. We didn't become God. But, and, and I'll just throw this out there. I don't know where this leads, but 1 John says, now we are the children of God and it has not been revealed what we shall be. But when we see him, we will be like him. What we've partaken of isn't complete yet. We have, we have been joined to him, We've, we have, we're one with him, we have his nature, but some things have been held off. But when he comes back, we're gonna get more of the package. It hasn't yet been revealed what we shall be. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Go with me to Galatians. Are you out there? Galatians chapter two. 
one of the most amazing, power-filled passages in the Bible. Galatians chapter 2. Now, we're talking about our union with Christ. And this is the subject matter. If you want to look at the topic, this is the topic of substitution and identification. Jesus became our substitute on the cross. And in those three horror-filled days where he was cut off from the presence of his father, he, he partook of everything that belonged to us and became our substitute. He suffered everything that Jesus suffered on the cross and being made sin, being cast out from the presence of God, being rejected by, by the Father during those three days and three nights. All that he suffered was our lot. It's what was awaiting you and me. It was what belonged to us. It was our rightful penalty because of our own sins. He became a substitute. Talking about, Kendra mentioned E.W. Kenyon. I used to remember, I, I remember he used to, when I would read him, he would say this. He said, he, became, he, came, he came as a substitute, not as a martyr. And at first I didn't understand what he was talking about. And then I got to think about, what does, what does a martyr a martyr is someone who gives their life, classically, a martyr gives his life for a cause or for a person. It might be for a religion, Christianity, we have martyrs, people that give their lives rather than recount their faith in solidarity with the Christian faith, they will lay down their life. People, people have been martyrs to political causes. They gave their life in support of a cause, to, 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 to help promote the cause, solidarity with the cause. People uh, have martyred themselves for individuals, just laid their life down. Jesus did that, but he did more than that. It is true that Jesus was martyred for us in the sense that he laid his life down because he loved us. That's what a martyr does. You know, he lays his life down because he loves someone or some cause. The Bible says there's no greater love than, than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus did uh, come, uh, you know, to lay his life down for us. But he did more than just come in sympathy. He didn't just die on the cross in support of us or to validate us or to recognize us or, or to honor us. Jesus came not, not as, a, as a martyr, but as a substitute. What he did on the cross and in the three days before he was raised from the dead and then in his resurrection, he did as a partner with us. He entered into our sin. He entered into our rejection from God. He bought it. He owned it. He became one with you and your sin that you might become one with him and his righteousness. He became one with us in death that we might become one with him in life. He drank of our depths of our sin that we could drink the depths of his love and his life. He did all of that as an, as an exchange. He exchanged what he had for what we had. 
We, he took the worst of us that we could take the best of him. Now, Paul makes this statement. Have you found Galatians 2, verse uh, 20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been, now Paul said this, and if it's true of Paul, it's true of you. You can say this and you should say this. I say it. I, I, I quote this scripture very often and, and, it's, and it's powerful. I have been crucified with Christ. You were crucified with Christ. Now that's not just a saying. It's not just a saying. You went to the cross. You were nailed to the, yeah, but I'm 19 years old. How can that be? In the realm of the spirit. We'll look into this more next Sunday, but we died with Christ on the cross. The old man you were died on the cross and a new man came in your place. On the inside of you, you became a a brand new person. That old man, Romans 6, says our old man was crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we would no longer be a, a slave of sin. Let me read you some translations of Galatians 2.20. The Crest translation says, I died when Christ died on the cross. I do not live now, but Christ lives in me. Lubach translation says, Christ took me to the cross with him and I died there with him. Did you know Christ took you to the cross with him? When he went to the cross, he took you. You activated that. You say, well, I wasn't even here. When you, were, when you came into this world and you heard the gospel and you were saved, that act of recreation, he placed you back in time, your spirit man on the cross. Christ took me to the cross with him and I died there with him. Author S. Way translation says, yes, I have shared Messiah's crucifixion. I am living indeed, but it's not I that live. It's the Messiah whose life is in me. The margin there says, with Christ, I have been co-crucified. I like that. Co-crucified. As having died and now enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Hallelujah. You were there. You were there. You were there. You were at the cross. You were there. You were one with him when he, when he was nailed to the cross. You were one with him when he died. You were there. It happened to you. That's a, that's a very strong revelation. I pray that you can lay hold of it. What happened to Jesus Christ happened to you. You were crucified with him. Our union with Christ places us in him all the way back to the beginning of his redemptive work on the cross, in his death. We died with him. We were buried with him. 
We were made alive with him. We were raised up with him. You were there. I was listening not too long ago. I've heard this testimony before, but then I heard it again a week or so ago. Mark Hankins, an evangelist, was talking about his, his son. And a few years ago, his son was diagnosed with leukemia. Huh? Grandson. Grandson was diagnosed with leukemia. And so, you know, he was in the hospital and undergoing, you know, all the treatment. They finally decided he had to have a bone marrow trans- transplant. So they took the bone marrow from his brother, Mark Hankins' other grandson. They took his bone, the bone marrow from the donor, his, the brother, and put it into the sick boy. And the doctor said, now, when we do bone marrow transplants, sometimes it doesn't, the, the, the recipient doesn't receive it as they should. They can receive 30%. That's not a very good reception rate. 50%, 70% is much better. He said, but what we want to see is a 100% reception of that, of that bone marrow. After they went through the procedure and he was in the hospital, I don't know the whole, the whole timeline, but finally the doctor came in and said, I have very good news for you. Your son has taken, he has received 100% of the bone marrow of his brother. He said, he's going to make a complete recovery. He said, but the interesting thing is that the, the donor brother and the recipient brother now have the same DNA. He says, so later in life, if one son commits a crime, they were both there. They find the DNA and say, well, you know, this man, he was here. We have his DNA, he was here. And they say, yeah, but this other man was here too. They have the same DNA. Yet they're two different people. Listen, if medical, if medical science can do that with our natural body and our DNA, can, do you not think God can do that with our spiritual DNA and make us one and the same with the Lord? That's what's happened. We've become one. We, and I, know, I know spirits don't have DNA, but I'm just saying to use that illustration. We have become one with him in the same way that we share everything he has. We're not God, but we share everything about his nature, his life, his love, his attributes, everything he, everything that's Christ is in you. You were there. You were on the scene. Just like the son could be say, well, I, I was on the scene. Well, no, you weren't. Yeah, I was because my DNA was there. We were on the scene. When Christ was crucified, we were there. Oh, hallelujah. If you're witnessing to somebody, or somebody wants to know about your experience, you know, people are always looking to, you know, to have a great testimony. You can say, well, I, you know, let me tell you why I love the Lord. I love the Lord so much because I was dead. I died and God brought me back to life. Now, don't stop right there. Don't, don't go on from there and tell them that you went to the cross because they'll just turn around and walk out of the room. You say, you're nuts. But you can say, I just love the Lord because... He's been so good to me. You don't say, don't tell, don't tell them you were dead three days. Okay, they're, just, they're gonna write you off. Just say, you know, I, I died and God raised me back to life. 
And, and then if they want to know more, just say, well, I'll tell you more about it, but let me tell you something else. Let me give you the gospel first. Let me tell you what Jesus did for you. Witness to them. Get them born again so they can believe and understand what you're talking about. We have a great testimony. We went to the cross. We went into the tomb with him. We were buried with him. We laid there in that tomb. We, Because everything he did, he did as our substitute, as though we were there. And when you put your faith in Christ, you activated your place in him. Oh, glory to God. Death no longer has dominion over someone who's died. Sin no longer has dominion over somebody who's died. The Bible says that death that Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all. Well, guess what? You died to sin once and for all. Now, don't try to make that true. Don't read those scriptures where it, where, where it says, you know, if Christ died for, you know, uh, uh, for sin, then, then, then we died for sin. Don't try to make that true. Don't try to just believe and believe and believe that could somehow be true. Instead, just acknowledge that it is true. Just believe it. No matter how you feel, no matter what you do, no matter how, you, how bad you mess up, just acknowledge I'm dead to sin. Sin no longer has dominion over me. Death no longer has dominion over me. That means sickness no longer has, has dominion. That means weakness, inability. Any of the limitations of natural man has no hold on you. It cannot dominate. Circumstances, can, could circumstances dominate the Lord Jesus Christ? When he rose from the dead, he rose in such victory and in such triumph. He took, he took the devil and all of the host of darkness and just paraded them around the spirit realm as captives when he came out of the grave. We're in that train. We're following behind him. We'll go, woohoo, that's my master. That's my master. I'm part of the team that won. He's the captain. He did the, he did the heavy, heavy lifting, but he brought me along with him. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. We're one with Christ. We're in union with Christ. It means everything. It is the answer to every need. It is the answer to every problem. It is the solution to every mystery. It is the answer that you've been looking for. You are one with Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God, you're so good. Oh, Father, what a plan of redemption. What a plan of redemption. Thank you, Father. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Father, we're just humbled at the greatness of your plan. Your plan and your work in our life is even more amazing than the creation of the universe. The cold, dark space of the universe. With all of the galaxies and all of the stars and all of the planets around the stars. Redemption. The redemption that was accomplished 
in Jerusalem those, during those three days and three nights are more amazing and more powerful and more impacting than the creation of the universe because the creator laid his life down for us and he took it back up again for us and he poured everything he has into us after taking everything we had all of the death and sin and rejection and unworthiness we had after taking all of that and swallowing up and conquering it he was raised up and he raised us up together with him completely free completely discharged, completely exonerated, completely justified from all that the devil's ever brought into our life. Freed us. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. This absolutely means... Lord, this absolutely means that we can face today and tomorrow and every day fearless, bold, confident, assured. It absolutely means we can live in victory every hour of every day. It absolutely means that your nature is working in us. It absolutely means that your spirit is working in us and through us. It absolutely means that, that, like has already been said today, you will not withhold any good from us. No good thing. After giving up your own son, there's nothing you won't give. There's nothing you won't do for us. There's no scripturally uh, 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 balanced prayer that you won't answer. There's no provision that you won't make real in our lives, Father. We're totally free. Thank you, Father. Totally free from all that sin and and the devil had wrought in our lives. We're totally free. Free from our past. Father, you took, Christ Jesus took our past to the cross. He took our failure to the cross. He took our mistakes to the cross. He took our rebellion and our sin to the cross. And all of that perished. It all perished on the cross. And we were given a brand new life. We were recreated in union with Christ. Brand new people. A A brand new individual that never existed before. No connection whatsoever to the past. That DNA has been wiped out. It's gone. By faith we received the DNA of our Savior. Glory to God. Everything that's in Him is in us. Everything He has is ours. His future is our future. His reign is our reign. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us in our heart to take it in. Help us to 
to lay hold of it. Help us to to give us the revelation that we need to, to, to grasp and to walk in this newness of life. Even so, that we should walk in newness of life. We will, we have. Newness of life is ours. Glory to God. And as the Spirit works in us, teaching us and directing and guiding us, all of these truths begin to work themselves true in our life. They begin to take over. They begin to to characterize our, our daily life here as we live this out in faith. We thank you for that, Father. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.